Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Let me get just a second here so that I can add our Facebook group to the stream. And... It looks like we are good to go. Mile high. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Denver, uh, excuse me, uh, Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, man, week after the draft, have a, a week now to digest everything. We're going to break some stuff down for you guys, but man, how you feeling about how George Payton did in his first year as the uh, general manager of the Denver Broncos, man? I think he did very. I think he did very well. I mean, he trusted his board. He let it fall to him. And the fact that they wanted tackles, they missed out on tackles, and they didn't reach for another one. I absolutely love that aspect of it. Just that little bit of information that came out. Love what he did and everything. And I just got to say, it feels like it's been a lot longer than a week since the draft. Like it feels like it's been two, three weeks since it. Oh, it's just been such a long week. Excited to be here. Excited to recap the draft and put a actually really put a cap on it with a good friend of ours, a good friend of the shows and everything, getting his opinion and a coach's take on some of these players. Super excited for that and super excited for the next year. I mean, next week we're starting on 2022 draft stuff. <laughs> hey, Kayvon Thibodeau, number one overall. Let's go. That dude is a monster, man. Oh, Holy he's cow. He's so good. So good. He, he would have been a top five pick this year, probably. If he could have come out, he would probably would have been a top five pick. Uh, that's the edge rusher from Oregon, by the way, uh, so just to show that we're already starting starting on that as well. But uh, no, it's been it's been a lot of fun to kind of really digest everything. Um, obviously, after Thursday night, I was pretty disappointed. But now that I really think about it, I mean, this draft class, the Broncos did a really good job. Uh, like you said, staying true to their board, pick, uh, picking players with some special teams versatility, getting a big value in Jamar Johnson in the uh, in the fifth round as well. I love Caden Stearns too. Um, we were sitting here talking with our friend before we uh, bring him on uh, and Kerry Vincent about what we thought about him and everything. So yeah, I think the Broncos did a really good job. Um, really, again, bolstering that secondary depth, getting some be- uh, better special teams plays and stuff like that. So I, I think that George Payton did a pretty decent job. And if you look at everything in a vacuum, I mean, honestly, how can you not, I, I know uh, draft grades are something that not everybody necessarily likes, but they're for more entertainment value. But as far as I'm concerned, if I was going to put a grade on it, it would be like an, an A minus, maybe an, even an A grade. What do you think, Eric? I mean, doing grades, I would probably put give them an A. I mean, I did my article this week about the dra- the valuing of the draft for each and every team. 
in comparison to where they took players to my big board, and granted, I know that their big board's different. I know there's a bunch of other factors involved because they have a lot more information with injuries and stuff like that. And they had the best value. They they were the number one team in terms of value compared to my big board. The only two players that were reaches were Patrick Sertan and then Marquis Spencer. And like everybody else was great value for them. So they did a really good job. And I absolutely love that they stuck to the board. I can't I can't I can't stress that enough. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some rumblings going around. I think it was Mike Kliss that said on uh, 104.3 The Fan uh, earlier this week that uh, they had Tommy Doyle as a guy that they really liked in the fifth round. It was actually the pick that they were going to take Jamar Johnson, and uh, Doyle was taking a couple picks before then, and they stuck with their board and went with the next best player on their on their uh, board in Johnson, even though they just took Caden Stern's 12th pick earlier. Um, let's see here. Let's say hello to the chat really fast, guys, before we do our Manscaped read. Mike Givens, what's up, man? Travis Bruley jumping in here. Uh, Greg Smith on Facebook. Dylan Von Arks with those Beartooth tickets, man. I'm jealous. Uh, I was going to get Beartooth tickets, but uh, there's a Lamb of God concert that same weekend. So we're going to go see Lamb of God and Megadeth for the last time that Megadeth is touring. Uh, Malachi jumping in here, shouting out. Where's that at here? Uh, Matt Carroll. There it is. Uh, Matt Carroll, the old Miss <laughs> quarterback. Uh, the Broncos will be ta- uh, taking next year as their quarterback. And it's funny that you actually mentioned that because before before we went live, we were checking out a little bit of him. He's the guy that I've been keep being told is going to be that big riser next year. What I saw, I mean, he's got a lot of work to be that big riser. We'll see though. Yeah, I don't know. The athleticism's nice, and he's really got to work on that footwork. But at the same time, I mean, the, the arm strength pops. It. I mean, you can see that he kind of at least has an idea of what he's looking at in front of him, processes at least somewhat decently. Um, we watched one interception where it's not exactly sure what he was going there. But anyways, uh, again, back to the comments here. Travis Bruley jumping in here on YouTube. Um, let's see your Malachi as well. Uh, that's pretty much it for everybody. Now, guys, before we really get started on everything tonight, I just want to remind you that today's show is being brought to you, as always, by Manscaped. Guys, 2020 sucked. 2021, we're off on a great start. The the vaccine's getting out. People are starting to move around. The restrictions are starting to open up and everything like that. So if you let yourself go in quarantine and you need to refresh and get yourself in the best tip-top shape as far as your male grooming is concerned, there's no better way to do that than the precision-engineered tools at Manscaped. Guys, Eric, what do you have for us today? Well, as always, I have what they call the shed. It's a little travel case. If you guys do a lot of traveling, this is perfect for you for your little travel bag. You can carry all your bathroom goodies in there. I mean, you have your your deodorant for down there. The mm-hmm. that's called the the preserver, and of course, but the best thing is the lawnmower 3.0. And one of the best things about it is that it comes with the little light. And hey, maybe I could use that for to. but uh, i mean last thing you want to do is when you're working down there is cut yourself and that extra light is actually very handy so uh it's a lot of good products from them i mean that one of the best things that i have from them is their boxer briefs super comfortable super soft super nice uh absolutely love them and real quick i gotta give a shout out to one more person malcolm brown from ogden kansas malcolm i hope you're having a good time again congratulations on your new grandchild yeah, man, absolutely. Congratulations. But back to Manscaped here. Uh, one of the nice, nicest things about the uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is, and actually I just used mine earlier today to kind of clean up my beard and whatnot, is the blades are replaceable. They just pop right in, pop right out. They're easy to change. Um, they're relatively cheap. And they're, I mean, they, they work really well. They don't miss hairs. I mean, they, they leave you well-kempt and well-groomed every single time you use them. Now, guys, the easiest way to get this stuff is go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code HUDDLE at checkout. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping on everything you guys order. Again, manscaped.com, promo code HUDDLE for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, your boys, your wife, and everybody around you are going to thank you because you're going to look at tip-top shape. Now, 
Eric, do we want to grab? Do we want to grab him really fast? Should we, should we grab the man? The I, I guess. I guess we should bring him. Bring him in. All right. All right. Well, guys, uh, good good friend of the show here. Yeah, get him out of here. Good that was, that was that was <laughs> uh, Good friend of the show here, uh, Coach Luke Polglaze, the wide receivers coach and former running backs coach for Kenyon College out there in, in Ohio. Correct. I always I always forget that. Yeah, um, that's anyway. us. Yep. So, uh, Luke. Uh, I know that you have some major draft crush going on here about what the Broncos have done. How are you, man? It's, it's a pleasure to get you back on the show. I cannot wait to get into this insight. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back, guys. Um, I think it's been about a month since I was last on, so I think that's a new record. Um, I've yet to get the the cane yanking me off stage so far, so thankful for that and thankful to be back, guys. Great to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's, it's always a pleasure to get you on because every time we talk with you, I, I learn so much. I really do um, learn more schematically, learn more about techniques and everything like that. Um, so it, it is really good to get those those coaches insights. And the last time we had you on, we were talking about cornerbacks. Well, now the Broncos took a couple of offensive skill position players and obviously Javante Williams um, and and. Javante Williams and Seth Williams, the wide receiver from uh, Auburn, as well as uh, Quinn Miners, the uh, interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater. Now, obviously, we're going to get into a whole bunch of this stuff. But first things first, we got to talk about the cornerback the Broncos took over Justin Fields, Pat Sertan at the number nine overall pick. What were your really big indications? What were your first thoughts about uh, the pick? And what do you really think about Patrick Sertan? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm not nearly enough of a draft, Nick, as much as you guys are. You know, I can't tell you about value for the pick. I mean, I'm, I'm out here in the middle of uh, Ohio where two hours north is Browns country, two hours south is Bengals country. Right here around Columbus, the only pro team is Ohio State. So I've been I've been just surrounded by nothing but love for, for Justin Fields. So given that, I was probably a little bit bummed that they passed on him just because I, I wanted to see the, uh, the surrounding countryside go a little bit crazy. Um, but, you know, in terms of the value, I mean, they're, they're getting a guy who's going to get some time to adjust to the NFL, right? Um, you know, anytime you draft a guy and you already have several solid cornerbacks on your roster, he's going to get some time to develop. Um, and when it, when you when you look at a guy like Sertania, I think he's a very pro-ready guy. He's a very patient cornerback. Um, you know, really what I saw in college was they really didn't do, uh, you know, opposing offenses didn't really throw at him a lot. Um, anytime they did throw the ball at his receiver, they used, you know, meshes or picks or, you know, even double moves just to try and kind of do anything that they could to get that receiver open. But he's, you know, really fluid, uh, really fluid player. I'm um, just super smooth in his movement. And um, I know I made the kind of the comparison last time that, you know, he's the guy that you just kind of feel like, you know, better than to throw the ball at his side. So, Obviously, before we had you on last time, I remember when we were talking about it, you texted me after the Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, with Bryce Callahan in tow, how can you imagine the Broncos utilizing Patrick Sertan this year? Yeah, I think he's going to be a matchup guy. I know we were kind of talking about this a little bit off air, but I think cornerback, as much as any other position, is probably the hardest position to adjust to first year in the NFL. I mean, you look at a guy like Sertan, and he's he's gone up against the cream of the crop, right? The SEC has been absolutely loaded with extremely talented receivers over the past few years. Um, you know, you look at the LSUs and the Ole Misses of the world. But, you know, you get to the NFL and all of a sudden you're going up against, you know, a veteran who spent, you know, a, you know, five, 10 years just honing his craft. You're that little rookie and he he knows 
he knows your deficiencies before you do. Um, so he's going to have a year to adjust. He's going to have a year to kind of sit behind, you know, a guy like Kyle Fuller, who's who's been one of the top five cornerbacks in the league. And he's going to get a year to kind of learn the secrets of the trade. And I think that's going to make him a lot better for it. Now, will he be an instant impact guy? Realistically, probably not. But this is a draft pick that my assumption is, you know, Denver kind of made knowing that they were going to get a year of, of developing him. And then, you know, really, if it happens this year, great. But otherwise, they're just going to unleash him once he's gotten the chance to sit and learn all of it. Now, before we get to Javante Williams, I have one more question for you. And it's based off of what something Vic Fangio said. And he, he admitted that on tape, you didn't really get to see it. But they believe that Patrick Sertan can work in the nickel. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think he can work in the nickel? Yeah, I think the one thing you really see with him, which is kind of unusual from any kind of outside quarterback, is he's aggressive, right? He's physical. You see him play through um, screens and just blow those up for for tackles for loss. And, you know, that's not something you often see from a college quarterback, right? We talk about the stereotype of cornerbacks as being, you know, shying away from physicality, not wanting to tackle. You know, that's probably more true with some guys than others. But you look at a guy like Sertan and, and he takes that on, man. He relishes that. And if you want to survive in the slot, no matter your size, you look at a guy like Chris Harris, undersized, yes, but scrappy as all get out. You know, you always knew he was going to stick his nose and he was going to make a play. And, you know, for that. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates reason I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just look at his physicality as a trait and say yeah we know that this guy's going to be able to survive in this slot day one so something that i found interesting before we move on i just want to toss this out there as well um pat sertan coming in as tall as he was as long as he was with the with the great weight and the the athleticism and everything that he like if you look at the i don't know if you know the spider graphs i can't remember i think it's mockdraftable.com yeah. those spider graphs uh he was a the, like an 85 percent comparison to derwin james 86.3 Exactly. So 86.3% comparable to Derwin James, the safety of the Chargers. And they really kind of got him in to be that, that Travis Kelsey killer to take, to take care of uh, Darren Waller. Do you think that that's a role that the Broncos could use him as? Is, is not sliding him on the outside, but we're going to line him up against Travis Kelsey and see if we can finally solve that problem for the Broncos that's been going on since, what, 2012? 
Uh, you're you're kind of testing my draft knowledge here a few years back <laughs> with Derwin James, but if I remember, he kind of played all over the field a little bit for Florida mm-hmm. State, right? Yep. He was kind of that guy who did a lot of different things. And when you're at Alabama, when Coach Saban looks at you and says, Pat, I want you to lock down one side of the field, you're going to do that. They don't need to move you around. Um, so you know, he, I think he has the versatility athletically, certainly based on that. Um, Physicality-wise, he's going to have some adjustments. You know, he, Sure, it's fine for him to do that against receivers, but when you've got – Again, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller, just some of the tight ends, even within the conference, or excuse me, within the division, the, those are some big boys. So, you know, is that long term potentially a role for him? Maybe. But again, I think he's going to need quite a bit of development before he gets there, just in terms of, you know, adjusting to a new scheme. Um, you know, he basically, a lot of the time, Alabama just kind of put him on an island and said, you know what, if you want to beat him, you can figure out a way to do it. Otherwise, we just trust him to lock down that side of the field. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, want want to get on, move on to Javante Williams and let you gush over him because this seems to be the pick that <laughs> all of Broncos country is kind of sleeping on and just like either hates it because of the trade up or because the whole mantra of running backs don't matter. And you can go on a tirade about that as a former run as a former running backs coach and how they do matter and everything, but. Just give us a quick breakdown of Javante Williams and what he brings to the Broncos. Well, first and foremost, running backs matter. You got to keep running backs coaches employed, <laughs> man. The the running back is a dying breed, and I think really when you look at it, you know, th- there's no there's no more friendly a thing on the on the football field to a young quarterback than a guy who we can turn around and give the ball to and have some trust in him. Um, I know I told you guys you're gonna have to slow me up here because I'm just gonna go a little bit crazy on Javante here. But um, you know, I think when you look at, at North Carolina and what he was asked to do, he ran a lot of different schemes. Um, he's run inside zone with a split. He's run power counter mid zone pin and pull. And and what he does is he's just so fast mentally. Um, First and foremost, he's he's well coached, but he takes coaching well. When he's approaching the match, right, when he's about to get the ball from the quarterback, his eyes are already on his keys. He's already reading the defense. He's not looking at the quarterback giving him the ball, right? He's already thought, you know, in his mind, he's a step beyond getting the ball. He's already looking at where he wants to go. Um, and I think when when you look at that, I think there there's there's a great example. Um that's slipping my mind who it was against, but it's split zone tight end goes back across and both of the linebackers with the tight end going back across, they kind of bump across tracing that tight end. And so he ends up one-on-one with the safety at three yards. He just anticipates that knows that that's happening. And he's just decisive. He says, look, the safety's coming down to make the play as a coach. Anytime the safety's trying to make a play at three yards, you love that, right? Because that's the extra hitter for the defense. That's the guy you're not accounting for scheme-wise. So if he's coming up to make the play, we're good with that. Um, he stiff arms it, runs through the contact, gets vertical. This this guy's not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to bring him down with ankle tackles. And um, I got plenty more things that I, I'd love to talk about with him. I'll kind of hit pause real quick. But, yeah, just mentally – mentally in terms of his own thought processing you know he's already a couple steps ahead before he even gets the ball he's reading the defense and reading flow and that just to me shows that he's super coachable that a coach has just drilled in for him hey don't look at the mesh point start reading the defense start knowing where you're going to go because then you're a step ahead when you need to actually make a cut and be decisive and Robert here, he actually came in with a question that was very close to one, the one I was getting ready to ask. He asks, how do Gordon and Williams differ in styles? And I was going to ask is, where do they differ and how can they use that to be complementary to one e- to each other? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Gordon and he's kind of more your power back, right? You know, he's kind of a bigger back. He gets behind his pads. And I think in that regard, Williams is not that different from him as a runner, right? They're both bruising physical running backs. Um, and so stylistically, you added a guy who's very similar. Um, instead of a, a thunder and lightning, you've got a thunder and a thunder. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that by any means, because the two of them can kind of just grind a defense down by the fourth quarter. You know, I think my my thing where I kind of I guess I see Melvin Gordon kind of separating himself is I think that he's kind of a little bit stiffer right he's going to make that one cut and get vertical whereas I think Javante has a little bit more wiggle a little bit more juice than people kind of give him credit for right he's certainly he's going to be able to stick his foot in the ground and get vertical but he's got a little bit of shimmy he's got just enough of a low center of gravity with great balance that he just pops off of tackles laterally um, in whereas a guy like Melvin Gordon is just kind of more inclined to take those head on. Now, so, uh, the dream is always having that three down back, the guy who can run, the guy who can block, and the guy who can catch. We've heard a lot about his running ability. Does he have that, what it takes to be a receiver out of the backfield and a blocker as well? Yeah, and I think first and foremost, right, you want to you talk about a running back. There's kind of basically four categories if you want to look at it that way. You've got your pass blocking, you've got your receiving, you've got your inside runs and your outside runs. For me, Javante Williams is a absolutely complete running back. Um, you know, he can he can handle any run that you ask him to. And in that in that same measure, they ask him to do a lot of things. You know, he's not just a guy who runs power and counter. He runs zone, he runs some pin and pull. And so he does a good job with getting to some of that lateral stuff. You know, UNC didn't really ask him to do a ton in the receiving game. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of something where you kind of want to see him, you know, really produce that at the NFL. He's, I don't think he's really a guy who you're going to line up and then motion him out to get into empty. Just doesn't strike me as kind of his deal per se. Um, but in terms of the passing game, he's a very capable pass blocker. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how he does in some more complex passing um, pass pro schemes where he's actually, you know, asked to read the defense and analyze the defense and know his backers and his edge keys and who he's reading in case they blitz. Um, you know, I think that, his his mental processing from a run game standpoint is incredibly advanced. So I have every expectation he'd be able to handle that without a problem. I guess that's just kind of the one thing that I'd love to see him really do at the next level. So something that I noticed when I was watching Javante Williams is his patience and his vision and the way that he manipulates the line of scrimmage and presses the hole and that really accelerates through the hole and bounces off contact in the hole and then gets to the second level with speed. Um, specifically against the, the Florida State, uh, that Florida State tape, there was a couple of runs where I think it was outside zone. They were stretching the line uh, horizontally and he really just kind of pressed it and pressed it and pressed it and then bounced back two holes actually to get vertical. Was that something that impressed with you? And is that something that really translates in this Broncos offense? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that, that I really kind of caught when I watched him is, and I think he's kind of from that era where a lot of younger running backs were watching a lot of Le'Veon Bell um, and that, that kind of patience and, and, and not quite hesitation, but just kind of slowing things down. And really at the end of the day, when you're running, you know, any kind of zone concept or where you're reading for flow or for a cutback, right? You're, you're waiting for the defender to commit. You're waiting for him to go one way or the other. And then you're making your cut based on that. Um, so when it comes to that, yeah, I think patience is incredibly key that, you know, your linebackers of, the, of today, they're impatient, right? They want to come up and make a play. And the key about inside zone is whatever way they go, you're making it wrong, right? You're cutting opposite them. So, yeah, I think his, his patience is great. And I think that, you know, whatever level of football you're at, if you're patient, if you're waiting for the other guy to make a mistake that then you, you immediately seize on that, yeah, I think that's going to translate well. 
Yeah. Jake King jumping in here with a $10 super chat. I'm hopeful to see Hamler have more production this season after using a second rounder on him. What role will he have? And are there just too many other weapons on the team for him to shine? Eric, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on KJ Hamler here. Well, first I want to ask Luke, do you, did you, did we have you watch KJ Hamler last year before you came on? I don't think so. I, I think you okay. had me watch a lot of outside guys more so. I remember Rager was an inside guy, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with him is the biggest thing is that Hamler is going to have to stay out there on the field. He dealt with injuries last year. It saw him miss the first little bit of the season and then again towards the end of the season. And I think a little bit during, too, but I can't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a smaller guy. And the other thing is he can't drop 25% of passes that are yep. thrown his way. He, if he wants to be have a role, he's not, that's the easiest way to lose it. I like him. I like what he can bring with this offense because it's something that the Broncos don't really have. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, they're all guys who bring something very different from what Hamler does. He's kind of that gadget-type weapon. So there's definitely a role for him. It's just he's got to improve on certain areas and key areas for him to really keep that role. Well, and I think a big part of that is going back to the the training camp and the injuries and everything like that. Cortland Sutton, week two, tears his ACL, and that really forced K.J. Hamler into a role that he wasn't ready for. Like Quite honestly, everyone said that K.J. Hamler was going to have to develop in training camp, and they were going to bring him along slowly. And that was kind of the that was really the case, especially when he had that hamstring injury back in training camp as well. So when Cortland Sutton goes down, KJ Hamler was now thrusting in that full time slot role. It takes away from the value of him and his gadget explosiveness because they're force feeding him the ball a little bit more than they actually wanted to. And it also took away something else that he adds to this team. And I'm really hoping that they work in this direction this year, especially if Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy are all set, all able to stay healthy. He's an explosive kick returner and punt returner, guys. Like he has the ability to do that. And if you can kick Deontay Spencer off this roster, add in another that that sixth cornerback, because that's probably where the Broncos are going to go with, with as deep as this cornerback room is. I mean, there's definitely an opportunity there for them to win and save that special team slot with KJ Hamler. So to me, having everybody healthy on the offensive weapon side, I, I mean, getting Albert Okuegmanom involved as well, um, a little bit more Noah Fant as well. Obviously, now you've got Javante Williams in tow. Uh, with KJ Hamler, you lessen his role a little bit, get him the ball in some creative ways and just let him go to work with that high-end athleticism. Now, Luke, uh, well, do you want to uh, – go ahead, thing, go ahead. One thing that you said is I don't think necessarily that you're – if they look to kick off Deontay Spencer with KJ Hamler, I think that's the right way to go. But I don't think it'll necessarily be for an extra corner. I think it'll be for a different sixth receiver. I mean, don't forget that That's we have Fortune coming back from injury. They just drafted Seth Williams. Maybe they don't feel they can sneak him onto the practice squad, and they decide to keep him as extra insurance. And, of course, with everything going around about with Aaron Rodgers and Denver possibly being them, maybe they decide to send Tim Patrick that way as well, which would then open that spot. And also, thank you, Gary Leeds, for your star donation. We definitely appreciate that. Now, Luke, real quick before Lance asks you his other question. You know, I remember we were live for the 2017 draft when they drafted Royce Freeman. Does Javante Williams spell the end of Royce Freeman in Denver? Yeah, I mean, I think this is... Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. 
you can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Offseason has been interesting because Denver kind of, you know, let a running back go with Philip Lindsay and they brought another one in now. And obviously they think very highly of him to be to trade up for him. And, you know, really for me, when I look at the running back position, he's a guy who's going to touch the ball. You know, you talk about your top running backs, you want them touching the ball 20, 25 get times a game. And that's really more than anybody else except your quarterback. Um, so for me, you want you want to make sure that a guy is going to come in and have an impact on the offense. And, um, you know, I, when it comes to Javante Williams, I know that the fans are kind of split on him right now. But for me, if I'm a coach in that in that office and that, you know, in that staff, I love Javante because he does the little things in those matter. Um, I know one thing that we talked about a little bit off, uh, off air is, you know, on any kind of RPO read or anything where the quarterback pulls the ball right to throw the ball he carries out his run fake you know he he is still he is still looks for all intents and purposes like he has the ball he's still getting behind his blockers and that's great because it shows that he's taking the little things to heart he's doing the little things with coaching um i i think he's a really consistent back um you know i think he's a guy who's you know he just has skills that translate i think really early on at the nfl level um you know ultimately i think it's this is kind of a, a shot to Royce Freeman just saying, hey, how do you respond, right? How are you going to bounce back? Are you going to prove that you belong on this roster? But for me, when I look at Javante, like I think he's I think he's a really, really good running back. And um, like I said, a complete running back in the true sense of the word running. Um, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, you want that guy standing right next to your quarterback. Um, I absolutely think that he's he's a worthwhile addition. Yeah, man, it's, I, I love the pick. The The only thing that I don't necessarily like about it, and this is something that Eric had said earlier, is running backs don't matter, dude. I'm telling you. No, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, no for real, it's, it's the trade-up. The, the Broncos traded up from 40 um, to 35 to go and get him. They, they made a savvy move that, because Miami was going to take him at 36 per their intel. So they went, they identified their guy, and they went and, and they got him. And I can't fault George Payton for that. So, But also at the same time, it's just trading up for a running back on day two, especially early day two. You've, it, it's, a, it's a value thing there and position value with a the running back while they do matter they don't matter at the same time so 
Still, though, I, I like it. The only thing I really hate about it is the trade-up and the fact that the Broncos lost Richie Grant at number 40, all, 40 overall to the Atlanta Falcons. I still called that move. Richie Grant went at 40, damn it. Uh, anyways, moving on here. Uh, we, so we asked you to watch some Quinn Miners. And Quinn Miners, this D3 uh, interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater, he is the bell of the ball, man. I'm telling you what, he's hilarious. He's fun to watch. He's got the gut. He pulls his shirt up and shows off his big, huge belly. What were your first impressions of Quinn Miners if you got a chance to take a look at him you guys are going to have to bear with a d3 ball coach talking about a d3 football player getting drafted on day two of the nfl draft because <laughs> we have not had one of those in a while um not since marpet i want to say um mm-hmm. that sounds right yeah Holly yeah, marpet at hobart was it hobart, hobart? Yeah. yeah which has been a while um so i mean in in that sense i'm i'm thrilled and i'm even more excited that he ended up with the broncos because i think it's great um whitewater is tremendous tremendous d3 ball um i mean these guys you know they're competitive they, they play for the national championship just about every season and uh they have some good athletes so while it is d3 you know i i respect any kind of football player whether they're d1 two or three but that's about as good as it gets for d3 um you know for for him i think he's he's just an incredibly strong incredibly athletic guy and i think that as a result he's kind of gotten away with a little bit you know against the guys that he's played against so far and i think that that's going to challenge him a little bit when he gets to the nfl where strength and athleticism will only get you so far if you don't have the technique to kind of compensate and help you out um you know he, he kind of lunges a little bit at times i think he i think he just has the natural strength to just compensate for being in a bad position um but he He's a road grader. You know, he, he does a great job um, when the, when the D lineman goes away from him, he gets his eyes to the, to the spot, anticipating a twist, right? If one guy goes away, we're anticipating another guy coming back to it. Um, he's really strong with his near hand. When he blocks, he gets his hips in front really effectively, really turns guys. Um, he gets the second level blocking the linebacker about as fast as a running back. It feels like he is just flying up there. And, you know, one thing that you'll see guys do and, and this is just such a sign of respect for an offensive lineman is you'll see D lineman holding him. Like they'll actually grab a piece of his Jersey so that he can't release cleanly up to the second level to block a linebacker. Now, part of that scheme, part of that saying, Hey, the refs will never call a D- defensive holding on a D lineman, which is rare, but it's also just saying, Hey, we got to keep our linebackers clean, man. This guy's going to just absolutely clean them up at the second level. So, um, He's, he's physical. He's a mauler. Um, you know, obviously he's got some things to clean up technique wise, but man, like when you talk about a guy who you want to develop, this is, this is your kind of guy. Yeah. Now, one thing that we've heard a lot going around with their current center, Lloyd Cushenberry is that he was a little soft and they want to get tougher. And I think that one thing that all of us can agree on with watching Quinn Miners is that he is the, probably the farthest thing from soft that you can get like Charmin's all the way over here. I guess whichever way you want to look at and quit and Quinn miners is like way off. Like he is the farthest thing from soft. Yeah. I, I think the other thing you have to look at too, he's a D three guy, right? He has had to fight and scrap for everything he's, he's been given as a football player. You put a guy like that in the NFL, he's going to work his butt off just trying to get himself the opportunity to play, to start, um, to be a, a difference maker because he understands, right? Like, he understands the the other side of college football, you know, when you're not, you know, under under the bright lights and ESPN isn't broadcasting your game. Now, I, sh- I say that they, they broadcast the D3 National Championship and he's been there. But, um, yeah, he's, you know, he's a he's a fiery kid. He's a competitor. And I have every expectation that he's going to come in and, and work hard. And um, I'll just give a quick shout out to 
a guy who's been singing his praises for a long time. Um, I'm going to probably screw up the pronunciation of his last name, but it's Owen Reese um, on Twitter. Um, great guy. He was his one of his coaches at Whitewater, has just been singing his praises since day one. Great guy. Got to give a shout-out to another D3 ball coach. And, um, yeah, he's, he's proud of his guy, understandably. Yeah, Robert Caswell jumping in here with a quick question. Did the Broncos get Quinn Miners to light a fire under the butts of the other interior offensive linemen? And this is something I want to answer. The interior of the offensive line for the Broncos wasn't necessarily all that bad. I mean, Coach Berry had some issues there. There was some communication gaps, and there's functional strength issues there. Um, I think that this is a, a, a shot directly at Lloyd Cushenberry, quite honestly. I think that um, – with the physicality that Miners has, the athleticism that he has, he's one of the most athletic guys for what he is as far as uh, his size is concerned. Um, decent length as well and everything like that. So, uh, I mean, if, if Cushenberry doesn't really take that next step this this year and really work with uh, – um, what's his name? Everyone hates him. The uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach. His name is, for, is just failing me first. That's it. Lauren Landau. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, he's got to go and build that functional strength. Uh, with Miners, something you see with him, and this maybe goes back to him as a D3 prospect. And uh, uh, Luke, I want your opinion here. Uh, as a D3 prospect, you have to go out there and you, if you want to get looks from the NFL, especially as a draft pick, you have to dominate your competition. Now, Quinn Miners absolutely dominated the competition at D3, and then he went to the Senior Bowl, and he dominated there is that something that's going to translate for the Broncos and show some more domination and can he potentially win a starting job this year yeah I mean I, I think when it comes to the team it just kind of depends is is the team a team where you have to you know prove yourself and you know establish yourself for not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl not anymore the Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. However many years, or will they say, hey, yeah, we'll start you as a rookie. Um, you know, I think that that's really kind of a, a, a team question, to be honest. Like, are they a team who's going to get a, let a guy walk in and have his chance to compete for that role? I mean, we saw that last year with Cushenberry. Like, my expectation is probably yes. Um, but, you know, for for a guy like Miners, you know, going to the Senior Bowl, actually competing and, and winning reps against guys who have won far more recognition than he has across his career. That's awesome. Like, I think that that gives him all the confidence in the world. And, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, man, you, you're in the trenches. Like, you got the four guys around you. You got to be mentally strong. You got to be tough mentally just to, to really be able to stick together. And um, something like that, I think, is going to give him a ton of confidence. I, I really do. Um, it's not it's not uncommon for NFL scouts to do talent evaluations on on top D3 guys like they'll come to schools. You know, they'll get measurements. They'll watch them work out. They'll watch them, you know, play games and things like that. But it is rare to actually see you know, them take that much of an interest that he gets a senior bowl invite. That's crazy now, to me. Uh, sorry, Eric. I Go ahead. Before we get on to Baron Browning, I think I just want to say, is, uh, guys, if you have any questions, make sure you get them in. And of course, the best way to make sure that we can guarantee to get them answered is through a super chat. We'll try to get to what ones we have, but uh, that's the one way to guarantee it. We'll try to get to them all, but time just may not be printing. So go ahead and get your questions. And now we're going to be talking about a little bit of, of everybody who the Broncos drafted and getting Luke's opinion of them outside of a couple. I got the later guys, but uh, getting to Baron Browning and you, you sent me, what was it yesterday? I think it was a message about him asking me, where would I, where would I play him or where do they plan on playing him? So why, why don't we go ahead and start off there? Like quick breakdown of Baron Browning and why you asked me that anyways. I mean, it was kind of a loaded question. I kind of going into it, I, I had a pretty good idea of where I would play him. I just wanted a second opinion. Um, for me, he's he's super, super athletic. He takes on blockers well. Um, I don't love the way he gets off blocks, but I like the physicality that he gets to a block with. Um, for me, sideline to sideline guy, great hips. Um, you know, he'll be walked up in the A gap and flip quickly to drop under a, into a hook window or a curl window. Um, for me, with a guy like that, with the athleticism, the hip flexibility that he has, to me, he he looks like a coverage guy. He looks like a guy you're going to go to him and say, hey, you know, we want you covering the seam route. We want you to be able to drop under that, you know, the deeper developing routes. To me, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a man-on-man tight end killer by any means, but when you look at a guy who you're asking to to zone drop and to, to cover a deeper window as a linebacker, absolutely. I think he can do that. Um, you know, I know Ohio state put him in about a million different spots. Um, you know, he, he's done just about everything defensively rushing the passer. He's great. He gets a great first step, but, but Hey, like if this guy can cover, that's kind of where you want him. Yeah, I, and I would love to. Have, I'd love. To, I would pay for a debate between you and Nick because Nick is swearing up and down that he's going to be an edge, and it just cracks me up because he's just too good, too smooth, and too athletic in coverage to not utilize him there. 
Well, and that's actually kind of something I was going to go back to. And Robert jumping in here asking if he's good in coverage. And yes, he actually is pretty good in coverage. Like everyone, like uh, Luke was saying, like Eric has said before, his hips are very fluid. He turns and runs very well. He, the one thing that you got to question, though, is that processing. And I'm not exactly sure how that looks at the next level. He's a little bit slow to process things. But that's a debate that's been going around Broncos country, really kind of the NFL draft circles for several months now, even going back to the senior bowl is where are you going to play him? Like, is he going to be that that rotational edge defender and, and develop into the you know, the next Von Miller role where he drops back into coverage every now and again and goes against a, a tight end? Or is he going to be a, a true off-ball linebacker in the, in the mold of like a Luke Keekley where you can drop him off and, and just rely on him in coverage and, and turn and run with tight ends and whatnot? Now, Luke, I'm really curious, though. What do you think of his, uh, his versatility, and do you think that he can be effective coming off of the edge? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you 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 have a guy who's that versatile who can do a bunch of different things. It just it, get, it gets him more opportunities to get on the field, um, you know, that he can do that many more different things for you. So, you know, there's there's never been a guy when you just look at him and say, gosh, if only he did less things so well. Right. That just that just as a coach puts you in the position of, hey, we know this guy's an athlete. We know this guy's a good football player. We just have to find a way to get him on the field some way, somehow, in a way that he's going to contribute. Um, and it also forces a defense to account for him in multiple ways, saying, hey, scouting report, this guy can cover, this guy can rush the passer. You know, is he is he as good against the run? I personally, I think he needs to improve there a little bit. But, you know, in terms of coverage ability, yeah, he can, he can flip his hips, he can cover deep and – you know, 20 years, we saw that that completely revolutionized defenses in the NFL with the Tampa two, when you have guys who can drop deep and cover the scene. Now he's Tampa two's dead because you have better athletes now, but like that's, that's, this is the kind of guy where you look at that and say, Hey, if he can flip his hips, if he can get deep from the linebacker position and, and cover deep uh, against a receiver. Yeah, absolutely. You'll take that kind of guy. Yeah. Now I have uh, one question for you and it's going to be a little bit long winded getting to it just because it talks about his versatility. And when I wrote up my scouting report on him, one of the things that I mentioned was Browning was a do-whatever-asked-of-him type of linebacker, and it really speaks to his versatility and how quickly he can pick things up. The problem that arises that with that is that there isn't a clear transition on where to play him in the NFL because he has strengths and weaknesses that are major for each linebacker position that he might project at. Now, Vic Vangio, after the draft, he said something very similar. He said he's a good athlete, runs very well, he's got versatility. Sometimes his, his versatility has hurt him a little bit in his development. We'll figure out where we're going to put him first and see how he does there and then make a final decision at some point. We like his speed, like his athleticism. We think he will be a major contributor on special teams and compete for one of our linebacker spots. Now, being a coach, is there is there such thing as too much versatility and it being able to hurt a player, especially when you're trying to transition to the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. When you're when you're throwing a guy into a brand new scheme like this, yeah, you want to simplify things for him as much as possible if he's going to be playing more than one position. You know, you'll probably see them try him at a couple different positions through the first couple weeks of camp or OTAs. Just say, hey, can he do this for us? Can he do this for us? But at the end of the day, if if he just does one thing at a certain point, you kind of have to say. All right, let's stop. Let's actually give him this one thing and let him just get really good at this. Um, because there, there is something to be said for, for spreading a guy too thin um, and for, you know, trying to do too much with him at the end of the day. You know, I think, I think that's, that's a point well made and, and well taken. And, you know, with, with a guy like Browning, you know, at a certain point, he's going to have to play a position in the NFL. You can scheme things that from that position, he can do multiple, multiple things, whether it's rushing the pass or dropping in coverage, whatever the case may be. But at a certain, at a certain point, he's going to have, you know, a, a label next to his name in the coach's office as a position. 
Yeah. So, Eric, you kind of keep stealing my questions here. Every time I'm talking, Eric, I got a question for you. talking in our private chat. And I'm like, Eric, I had a follow-up question. I want your opinion on this. Now, the Broncos actually just got done doing this kind of same thing with a guy, Justin Hollins. He was out of Oregon, uh, 6'6", 255, 265, something like that. And they he had the athleticism to play off ball. And I was just going to kind of ask your question and your opinion here on cross-training and, and everything. So you really kind of stole my question there. I don't necessarily appreciate that, man. Dang it. <laughs> But uh, as as far as uh, so, I, Eric, I want your opinion here. Uh, how would you handle the Baron Browning situation here? Are, are you going to cross train him? Or are you going to just identify that one role? I would give him one role, one aspect, let him learn it, and then try to move him on from there. Justin Hollins was a little bit different of a situation, mm-hmm. and I think that you learned your, your you learned your lesson with that mistake. They tried asking too much of him too soon. And when he first saw action in a game, it was as an off-ball linebacker, something that he hardly ever did. I mean, when he dropped into coverage at Oregon, it was from the edge. He wasn't playing off-ball. It was something completely out of the norm. With Baron Browning, there is a big difference here. He has played off the edge. He has played off-ball. He has done these things before, so it's not as big of a transition. But I'm still – I'm giving him one thing to learn, one thing early on. Let him learn that and then see – and from there, slowly add more onto his – um, onto his plate. And uh, Mike S jumping in here with some praise for you, Eric. Uh, easy here, man. His his ego's already big enough as it is, and we don't need to boost it anymore. But Eric, you've he, written some great articles here lately from these Mike. Nice comments. They just make my head bigger. And what you guys don't realize, I'm actually sitting like six feet away from the my webcam, and that's why my head looks so big. Is you guys just keep inflating my head? <laughs> Uh, so this question directed to, uh, for Luke, and it was something that I had said from Robert Caslow jumping in here, and he always comes with really good questions and to get some really good insight here. Uh, I was talking about Baron Browning and his processing ability. And so Robert is not quite sure what I mean here. When you say process, is that as the play occurs or when the offense is setting up? So, uh, Luke, I want your kind of take on both of that because it is a little bit of both in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're running, you know, a coverage to a three by one formation, um, you know, if, if you've got, you know, say a specific coverage that you're going to run where you're reading, you know, number two and number three's release, right? The second and third inside receivers. First and foremost, you've got to process that pre-snap if it's three true receivers to your side or if it's a receiver and two tight ends, right? You have to understand, okay, here's my alignment based on what the formation is. Here's my alignment based on what my assignment is. And then I actually have to know what my cues on the field are. Now, for me, most processing happens post-snap where, you know, if you're zone dropping, right, you're reading the releases of different receivers and based on their route pattern, based on the distribution of those, then you know who you're covering based on that. You might have a guy, you know, you, you own a certain guy running vertical and a certain guy, if he goes shallow. So you're just kind of reading those releases to say, Oh, he's going vertical. I own this guy or oh, he's going out. So I'm going to pick up the shallow here. So a lot of it is just understanding processing, um, knowing your alignment, your assignment and your keys and saying, okay, if I have to wall number three, I'm going to wall number three until he goes out, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, that, now, that's great stuff, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, real quick, I want to grab, Eric's question here it says, I'm excited about Browning. I wasn't before the draft, but we got a steal. I wish we went Quinn, then Spencer Brown, but I love Browning. The issue with this is that Spencer Brown went before Quinn Miners. Yep. So that's that's the only issue with there. And from what I understand is that Denver had three offensive tackles sniped out of them. 
One of them was at 70 when the Carolina Panthers traded up and selected Brady, Brady Christensen out of BYU. Mm-hmm. And then when the Bills took Spencer Brown, and then they just went with Quinn Miners, their next highest guy on their board, and then Baron Browning after that. So it just was a matter of they just got sniped for their offensive tackles. And then Brian Greenfield comes in with the $5 donation. Thank you, Brian. We really appreciate that. We appreciate all of your guys' support. Yeah. As always. Now, moving on to uh, the, the safeties, the dual safeties here. Give us some quick thoughts about Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson. I'll, I'll start with Stearns because, to me, he's he's bought into the team and he's bought into the culture. Um, and, and you see that in the way he plays. He knows he's a captain. He knows he's got that C on his chest and he plays like it. Um, just a hustle guy, relentless effort. And he's a guy when, you know, he's a senior, you got a freshman walking in and you want to say, okay, what is this defense's culture and, and our program look like? You pull up a guy like that on film and say, this is what you do. Now, as, as a football player um, I think he's certainly got some improvement left um, you know I think he he lunges tra- tackling a little bit you'd love to see him kind of track the hip a little bit more um, you know he, he does bring some pop when he makes contact but he's just a little bit inconsistent with it um, the nice thing about him is he's kind of used as that that field safety where a lot of the time he'll roll down and um, when they blitz the overhang um, so he's going to be used as that kind of covered down on a slot receiver um, so that he can kind of let the box guys fit the box. So he's not a great man coverage safety, but he takes great angles and he really is, is an effective guy rolling down to cover that slot receiver. Yeah, I, I actually really like Caden Stearns because I saw some versatility with him. He's, he really is a true split sa- field safety. He's not doesn't have the range to work a, as a single high kind of a guy. So this is a really a good fit for the Broncos, especially with the physicality that he plays with. He's not scared to go and get physical. And I, I, as you were kind of saying, there is some sloppiness in his tackling. He lunges out and gets overextended. It'll miss every, miss something every now and again. Um, that's all. That's a pretty coachable thing. And I think that Vic Fangio is going to value that. Obviously, he drafted the guy, so he, he's going to value that physicality now as far as his coverage skills one thing that I didn't necessarily like is he does look a little stiff every now and again he doesn't turn and run very well and that alludes to your point about him not being a man coverage guy is that something that he can overcome at the next level or is that something that the Broncos are really going to have to kind of scheme around if he gets out on the field well, I think part of that just comes down to usage, right? If you're if you're going to play him lined up five yards off of a receiver in the slot, you're basically declaring, hey, I own this guy, right? If, if you use him the way that Texas used him a lot of the time, where they'll line up in that too high structure and he'll kind of roll down to cover that receiver, right? That gives them a little bit more space, a little bit more cushion, and you can kind of hide some deficiencies there. Um, realistically, if a guy has tight hips in college, he's probably going to have tight hips for the most part in the NFL. You know, they can do some things, but – you know, athletically, you can only do so many things. Same for us. If we get a tight-hipped guy in high school coming into college, odds are he's going to be tight-hipped in college as well. Um, so there are some things you can do to kind of improve that, um, just kind of footwork drills improving that. But a lot of the time, you just say, all right, we're going to have to scheme around this a little bit. And, you know, credit to Texas. They did a great job of scheming and using him to his fullest potential. Yeah. Eric, I want to jump in on your opinion here, and we're going to kind of move forward just a little bit because I want to get to Seth Williams really bad. we got about 15 more minutes here. Um, the Broncos, after they took Caden Stearns, at, I don't remember the exact number. It was, uh, I think, 142 or something like that, 152 and then 164, I think, is what they actually took Jamar Johnson. But uh, I really think that Jamar Johnson is a major steal in this class, a safety out of Indiana. Uh, this is a guy that you kind of put me on there for a while and saying that uh, Richie Grant was not as good as Jamar Johnson in the range and everything like that. Give us a 
breakdown on Jamar Johnson and what do you think is the biggest reason for him falling as far as he did? Because everybody, from what I understand, thought that he was going to be a day two pick, probably an early day two pick, one of the top three or four safeties off the board. Who are you asking? Jamar Johnson here. Are you asking me or Luke? That's the question. Uh, I'm asking you, Eric. Oh, okay. Um, from what I understand, one of the reasons why he fell is that they just view his games and he had one good one and the rest were just meh. I mean, this is a guy who he's not the best, most reliable as a tackler, doesn't have the greatest of experience and just all these issues. And they just compile and just saw him drop a little bit. I think his game against Ohio State was fantastic. And I think that was enough to that should have got him drafted on day two because that was just the height of competition for him. And he just he performed well. I mean, he he made that Justin Fields' worst game in college. Like it's not even close, really. But I mean, he just got the range, he's got the coverage skills, he's got the smarts. It's just coming downhill as a run defender, his tackling, that's just problematic. And I'm gonna pass it off to Luke here about Jamar Johnson. But first, stepping back real quick to Caden Cerns, I need you to answer a question for me. Based on the traits that you saw with him, is he a safety or is he a corner? Interesting. For for me or for Luke here? For Luke. Uh, interesting. I, to me, I think he's kind of what Lance talked about a little bit, right? He, to me, he's a split field safety. I think you give him a half the field, you let him own that field. Um, I, I don't really see him as a corner. I don't think he has the, the hip flexibility. I don't think he has the stickiness to be a corner. Um, I think he's a good too high safety at the end of the day. Okay. That's, 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 that's another thing that, uh, one Mr. Nick Kendall has been arguing with me about, Oh, Keaton Stearns <laughs> is going to play some, it's going to be a corner. No, just, just quick here though. Cause this is actually an interesting question. Again, Robert jumping in here with fire on the questions here in a nickel. Is it always three cornerbacks and two safeties or is that changeable? And this might be where Nick might be coming in here. Can Caden Stearns play the big nickel role as a third safety on the field? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of answer that right there, right? You'll, you just kind of call it a big nickel and um, which is when you put a, a safety on the field. So um, you, you'll, a lot of the time you'll see teams like the Patriots have really used that effectively because of the safeties that they've had, you know, with a guy like Patrick Chung who can play underneath um, the Cardinals really kind of started the trend with um, Oh, his name escapes me. Uh, De- Deontay Buchanan. Um, was that the cat, yep. um, the safety yep. who ended up playing linebacker? Um the guy for the Rams who went to the Giants, Ogletree, Alec Ogletree. Um, he was another one who's kind of been that. So that that's kind of been a trend. Uh, to me, that's not really a true nickel defense um, because you're not doing a lot of things that are three safety oriented. Um, you look at a college defense. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Like in Iowa State, and that is a true three-high safety defense. And the amount of disguising that they can do is is really impressive. To me, you're just putting a different body in a linebacker role and, and kind of just rolling with it. Um, so, yeah, in terms of nickel versus big nickel, it kind of just depends personnel-wise who you put on the field. Um, to me, I think... Caden Stearns has has a lot of development, and to me, if you're bringing him onto the field, it means you're going to free up a guy to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and you want him playing that deeper safety role. Yeah. All right, so I know you have some thoughts on Jamar Johnson, and I'm really curious on your breakdown on him. I thought he was super rangy. I thought he could play single high if he wanted him to. He it probably works better in the split field role, wears multiple hats, doesn't necessarily tackle very well, but he's willing to get there. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jamar Johnson, and is he as big of a steal as I thought he is? I mean, I'm, I'm not one to talk about draft value. I know you've been on the, the Jamar Johnson train for a long time. Um, I'm not here to say he's a steal. I'm here to say he's a really, really good football player. Um, you know, I think he's got tremendous hip, uh, hip flexibility in a way that we talk about Caden Strings, and he, he doesn't really have that. Um, you know, for me, he, he plays the run effectively. You talk about that Ohio State game. Indiana mixed up so many looks in that game and a lot of it revolved around what he could do. Um, you know, they blitzed him from depth as that kind of extra add on rusher where the offense can't account for him. And he was disruptive. He flew downhill, got pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're rushing a safety from depth, you want him to impact the quarterback and you want him to hurry up his decision making. Um, he knows his responsibilities. He knows where his eyes need to be. He's, he's a great example of, you know, he's doing his one eleventh on every play you'll hear coaches talk about doing your 111th and he's not trying to do anybody else's job he's doing his and he's doing a great job of it um for me the one kind of real illustration of this is when you talk about disguising and disguising coverages a lot of the time teams will line up with with what i call as a receivers coach middle of the field open right split field so you've got two safeties high um you know your kind of classic cover cover two cover four look we kind of just talked about this with Caden Stearns right they're going to rock down to kind of a single high look where that that safety to the field rolls down and ends up covering the slot one thing that uh, the Indiana did in that Ohio State game and this really is just absolutely essential to have a guy like Jamar Johnson who can do this on the field is they would roll from from this which is 
what I would call middle of the field closed, right? You've got a single high safety and they would actually roll to a middle of the field open. So they're actually rolling him from kind of closer to the line of scrimmage back to a deeper safety role. And, and think about that. That's, that's a really, that's much more of an impressive transition because you're asking a guy to have to run backwards at the snap and transition to a back pedal and still stay over receivers. And so to me, you can't do that if you don't have a guy with the hip flexibility that a Jamar mm-hmm. Johnson does. Um, and it's, it's easy to, to go from here to here, right? Cause you're just mm-hmm. asking one guy to walk up and one guy to roll to the middle of the field. You do both, you know, guy walking for it is is physics and guy rolling to the middle of the field you do every day in practice right that's just an everyday drill but actually asking guy to bail and actually get to that second high safety that's a lot more impressive to me that's an amazing breakdown and I, I wish that the people that are listening to this podcast after the fact could see the way that you worked your hands on that to really kind of <laughs> highlight what you're talking about there and I agree with you the hip flexibility with Jamar Johnson and the range and the, the the extended field of motion that he has with his vision he does a really good job identifying what's going on in front of him he's a very smart and intellectual player he understands route concepts drives on the football really well it's just those tackling issues on the back end and as a safety you can't have that now Eric um what really sold you on Jamar Johnson being a, a, being as a fan of him that you were? I know that you had him what safety four or something like that. I can't remember. I know you had him. I think as a top five safety. I think he was right at my number five. But what sold me on him was just those skills and coverage, and it was a lot of what Luke just talked about being what they asked of him to do being quite a lot more impressive than what you mostly see anymore of what's being asked of your safeties. And he did it just so well. He's so smooth in coverage. He's got that range. He just brings so much added versatility. I would have probably had him as my number two safety if he was just more consistent as a tackler. Like, I love him. He was my favorite guy, my favorite safety when it came to coverage. Like, just pure coverage. He was my favorite safety in this class. Even better than Trevon Merrick out of TCU, who many felt was the best cover safety in the class. I thought that Jamar Johnson was even was even better than that with everything that he brought. It's just that that run defense, that tackling inconsistency, those are just problems to me. So I like him. And I've said, I said this before. I think I said it when we were live on day three is I view it as the future, even though Caden Stearns was drafted higher. I view Caden Stearns as the future number three safety. And I see Jamar Johnson as that replacement for a Kareem Jackson. And, and the one other thing I will say just real quick, I mean, you talk about the deficiencies with both with tackling again, you know, you, you hope that NFL coaching can absolutely coach that up. Um, I see Robert Castle just asked the same question. Yeah. You can absolutely coach tackling, um, you know, different teams will coach it different ways. I mean, the, the Seahawks have kind of led the charge in, in coaching rugby tackling and that's really, mm-hmm. you know, yep. improved for them. Um, but for me, when I look at, at Caden Stearns and I look at Jamar Johnson, to me, they're, they are incredibly complementary players. Um, Caden Stearns, if you're in a too high safety structure, he's going to be that field safety, um, you know, who you can roll down and you can just put, if you're going to roll the single high, Jamar Johnson's the other guy, you know realistically, if, if Caden Stearns gets a little bit better at tackling, you're probably going to stick him back into the boundary where he's going to fit the run and just let Jamar Johnson just let him play with all that space over to the field. I know we t- kind of talked about last time about field boundary and kind of how that's not as relevant really at the NFL level with how tight the hashes are. But for me, I think they're incredibly complementary players. Um, and you talk about getting into a big nickel package. I think you can easily do that with the two of them. And then, you know, uh, a guy underneath like a Justin Simmons, you know, who can kind of just roam and, and cause havoc a little bit because I think those two guys are really consistent in the back end. 
Yeah. It, great stuff, man. Uh, always, every single time you come on, I'm just blown away. It's, it's, I thought I know a lot about football and I really know nothing. Uh, Malcolm Brown jumping in here with the $2 super chat. Good job, guys. Hashtag Eric's halibut fun. Hey, hey, I got to get up there one of these days. We got to go halibut fishing. We're, it's going to happen. It may not happen until after I get married next year, but it's going to happen. So hopefully I'll be able to go up and go catch some halibut with you. Now, Luke, this is the one that I really was – I was intrigued, on, honestly, by your Javante Williams take, but I'm really intrigued by Seth Williams here. Uh, 6'3", 211, ran a 4.49, so you've got some sort of height, weight, speed. He's not the greatest, like, speed athlete as well uh, that you'll ever see. He can take the top off the defense, big catch radius. Um, I love him in the red zone. You're the wide receivers coach at Kenyon College, and you watch this guy, uh, I'm assuming, a lot to, to come into the show and got a pretty decent idea about him. What does he bring outside of that red zone versatility for the Broncos? I think day one, he's a great red zone target. Day one, I'm not really sure what else he kind of provides. I think that's a lot of things that they're going to need to develop him for. Uh, You know, you talk about height, weight, speed. You talk about being an NFL-sized body and looking like an NFL player. Um, Trait-wise, from what I saw in college, I'm I'm kind of – to be honest, I just was – I felt a little bit lacking looking at him. I felt like I was kind of missing a little bit more. Um, He's one of those ones where it it feels, and I I know I talk about this extensively as a coach, you're just going to say, Hey, bring me your best athlete, bring me the biggest, fastest, strongest guy you can. And I'm going to coach him up to be a weapon. I'm going to coach him up to be a monster. Um, So, you know, with him, you know, he's played inside, he's played outside. He does a pretty good job staying unpredictable for defensive backs. I see a couple of different releases in his toolbox already. Um, I think kind of a, a big weapon, or I should say a big mark of respect, was that J.C. Horn, I'm pretty sure, shadowed him in that South Carolina game. He, he seemed to be following him everywhere he went. And when you're dedicating a guy like that to no matter where he travels, that's a sign of respect by the defense. Um, the one thing I, I really kind of noticed with him and, and route running wise, I think it's, it's something that's going to get fixed at the next level, um, is he – he, he airplanes at times and airplanes is a, a very technical receiver coach term. Basically what that means is say he's running a comeback or say he's running a dig, right? He starts off low in his stance. He's kind of firing. And then the closer he gets to that break point, you kind of see him standing, standing higher up, right? You want to keep a nice, consistent upper body posture and upper body structure throughout the whole route, because otherwise, if you're getting up here, the defensive back knows exactly when you're going to break. Um, And so I think that's one thing he can do to stay even more unpredictable for defensive backs. You know, for me inside the 20, he's a great red zone target day one between the 20s. Uh, he needs some refinement, in my opinion. Yeah, Malachi, no, I hope that no. that's a really good answer. Sorry, Eric. Uh, Malachi Martin came in and said, how come Seth Williams never separated from def- defensive backs? I hope that answers your question. Great job, Luke. And actually, my question was, my biggest weakness that I saw on him when I was watching him is that he can't, he can't separate. And In the NFL, the name of the game at, with receivers is you got to be able to separate from defensive backs. Now, obviously, he's got that height. He's got that weight. And he's, I mean, that size of his, you, you don't necessarily always have to separate. How much, how much can that lack of separation be covered up with the size and length that he has? I'm going to kind of co-opt an old expression here, right? You talk about the college triangle. Um, you know, you can have two or three things in college, sleep, a social life, and good grades. Pick two of the three, right? <laughs> I think a lot of the times with, with NFL players, you can have, or I should say with NFL receivers, you can have two of the three. Size, athleticism, and separation, right? Like he's got two of the three. If he had all three, he'd be a day one guy, right? I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say that an SEC receiver who's 6'3 and can go up and get a great contested catch, 
he wouldn't go day one. Absolutely, he would. So I think that's that's probably the reason he's slipped this far. And again, you kind of you you get a, a guy a guy like him who who you just see the traits. You see, okay, look, he can go up and get it. We can work with a guy who goes up and attacks the football. That that's really what you're going to kind of have to work on is making him a little bit even more unpredictable for defensive backs. You know, adding more to his release toolbox, moving him around the formation to cause matchups. You know, against a safety or against a nickel corner. Right? He's the kind of guy who you say, look, day one, is he going to win against the best outside cornerbacks in the league? Probably not. But can we develop him there? Sure. And can we move him around and scheme that up in the meantime to make sure that we can get him there? Absolutely. And real quick, got a question for you, but I want to grab this one from Miguel. Can you guys get Brandon Perna on, please? Um, the better person to ask would be Chad and Zach. I mean, um, I know that Chad used to have a – not sure if anything happened, so if there is, I, I'm not sure. But I know that Chad used to do something with Brandon pretty regularly, so maybe that would be the better one to ask. Not so much us. Um, I have nothing but respect for Brandon, but uh, he's definitely closer to Chad than he is us. And But the question I have for you, and as it pertains to Kerry Vincent Jr., is Robert Caslow asks, what is Vangio's cover scheme? And real quick, it's a match quarters. But can you ex- can you give a quick explanation of what match quarters is and how somebody like Kerry Vincent can, can, fi- can step in and have a role in it? The, the kind of new buzzword these days is is hybrid schemes where it's part man and part zone where you're asking defenders to not just say hey I've got this guy you've got that guy cover them right you're asking you're asking defenders to kind of do a little bit more than that um, so a lot of the time and you know every scheme works differently everybody runs things different ways um, you know for for what a match quarter scheme is you're, you're basically asking the defenders to read releases and if one guy does one thing um, you know, say, you know, if if the outside receiver runs vertical and the inside receiver runs out, right, you're going to have, say, you know, in a kind of a two read scheme where you're matching routes, you're going to have the corner play to the flat route and the safety is going to get over the top, which looks like cover two, but it plays like cover four. Um, so the match quarters itself is a, is a wide, wide world. People run things a million different ways. Um, I don't think there's any one universal rule of match quarters. Um, I know there's, there's some great resources out there. Um, Cody Alexander is a, a great coach on Twitter. Who's great follow. He's written a book. I think it's called the art of match quarters. Um, so highly recommend, that as a resource if you're looking to learn more um i'm just a i'm a simple wide receiver coach <laughs> as you say that cody alexander series the making of the modern hybrid defense there was another one i can't remember and then the match quarter stuff i have all of that upstairs and man you want to talk about some incredibly technical football man like i said i thought i knew something about football you dive into some of those coaching books and it's just whew. uh but yeah that, that match quarters deal i actually drew up a play diagram and uh I kind of shared it here for a little while. I want to show you just a little bit more of this here really fast to kind of explain some more of it. And this is a very, very basic look at what we've got going on here, guys, if I can actually see what I've got here. Um, Maybe not. Where's that? Can I get to here? There it is. Okay. So uh, obviously cover four look and the way that it works is you've got uh, your safeties is the biggest key here is and they're king on the inside receivers and, and everything like that. You're matching the route of the inside receivers. Your cornerbacks have boundary looks only anything breaking to the outside. That's the way that they have to go. Um, your linebackers have to wall anything coming across the middle of the field, bail to the flat. Um, it, it's a very complex, very 
uh, intricate scheme. And uh, this is this doesn't do any justice to what is actually going on with that defense. Um, but it is it does kind of give you at least a, a decent look at what it, what is really going on in a match quarter scheme. So um, sorry for anybody that can't see this live and is what or listening to this after the fact. But uh, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of literature out there, and match quarters is something that's incredibly difficult to understand. Quite honestly, there's overhang safeties you got to worry about um, field rotation. Um, You've got uh, counting your wide receivers, identifying your formation. What what is your responsibility within that? What is your responsibility within the keys? Um, how you're supposed to play that responsibility, pass off responsibility to another receiver. I mean, it's very, very, very intricate. And that's a big reason why everywhere Vic Fangio is gone, uh, his defense takes a big step in year two and an even bigger step in year three as the continuity in the scheme. And everybody starts to learn the verbiage and learn that uh, that transition language over and over again. Year three in Vic Fangio's defense, especially with the way that they have retooled, um, uh, they, they've retooled the secondary. This defense could be legitimately scary. Luke, what do you think about all the players that the Broncos have added to this uh, to this secondary, given all the injuries that they had last year? Yeah, I mean, when it when it comes to to what you're talking about, yeah, anytime you run a complex scheme, giving players additional years and additional time to develop within the scheme is great. Um, you kind of always run the risk of even with guys who've been around the league or been around college for a number of years, you know, who've played in different schemes. If you bring in a free agent and they don't know your scheme, then yeah, they're going to kind of be back to square one. They 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 may be pretty familiar with the overall coverages and families, but maybe not with the way that you run it specifically. So you, you look at a guy like Kyle Fuller who has run Vic Fangio's scheme, there's not going to be a learning curve with him, right? He's, he's done this since, since a long time ago. So, you know, I think that's, that's one thing where, you know, there's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be adjustments for people. Um, But yeah, when it, when it comes to that, you're going to have guys who come in and and just really know the scheme and and who are going to be able to perform. Now, before we get to a couple comments here in the chat, I have one question for you and I know you're going to hate me for it. As a Broncos fan, what what do you think they do this year? What do you think the record will be? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I I honestly think it's gonna it's gonna the, any football team I firmly believe will go as far as the quarterback will take them. Um, and so that that kind of just at the end of the day, you know, do you believe in the quarterback? Do you not believe in the quarterback? Do you believe in Drew Locke? Do you believe in Teddy Bridgewater? Do you believe in he who must not be named in Wisconsin? Like you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, like it, it kind of depends who's who's leading the offense. And, you know, you can get a great football player like Javante Williams um, and, and hand him the ball 20, 25 times a game. And, you know, he, he may not win you a football game. Um, he's only a running back, I guess. But, um, you know, he can still go a long way towards that. So I, I look at, at, at the, the division that Denver finds themselves in. Um, I, I think we're – in my opinion, you know, Denver is is going to be lucky to to kind of, you know, compete with some of the best teams in a, in a very competitive conference. And, you know, realistically, unless Kansas City takes a step back, the, the division is kind of set up for them pretty much every year when you have a guy like Mahomes behind center. And until really any kind of team can develop their own guy or find that guy, that becomes an issue. So um, the homer in me always says 17-0. and 0. Um, The realist and the football coach in me says – you got to have an established quarterback and you know, the Broncos are kind of left with a couple guys who right now who aren't an established quarterback. So um, one of them is going to have to step up. They're going to have to, or they're going to have to find a guy um, either way the, the talent is in place. I just worry about everything kind of clicking together. Man. Okay. Okay. Now 
Record wise, I was gonna say answer the question. Give me, damn give it. Me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an out. I'll give you an out here. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. One with Drew Lock or Teddy Bridgewater, and one with AA Ron. I, I mean, anytime you bring in a Hall of Fame quarterback, we we've seen it in Denver. Like that, that changes the course of a franchise. If you add Aaron Rodgers to any, sorry, I said the name. If you add that that player, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, to to any any roster on any team. Uh, you know, you could take you could take Wisconsin Whitewater and, and put them in the in the NFL. They're going to be a Super Bowl contender because of Aaron Rodgers. Um, and and I, I firmly believe that no matter what team has Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, uh, I I honestly, this is not me copying out. I haven't watched enough Drew Lock to have a take on him. I'm not jumping into the the lover hate Drew Lock pool of, of uh, commentary. I'm not going to go there. Um, I will say that I think that they need more consistent play from the quarterback position. And I think everyone can appreciate that. Whether or not you think Drew Locke is the guy, they need a consistent quarterback to step up. Well, um, if they get that, absolutely, they can challenge for a wild card spot. Um, if you want if you want to win in the lost number, I'll give you nine and seven. Um, and if they don't get an established quarterback, if they don't get consistent play, I think the team will struggle. Yeah. Uh, I actually agree with you on that. And obviously the turnovers, the biggest thing is the turnovers. The Broncos got to stop turning the football over as much as they do. And then they have to create some turnovers on the other side. I mean, they had a negative 16 turnover differential Luke last year, negative 16. You think that's winning football? Like, is that going to, is that going to win you a lot of games? Probably not. Uh, And that's one of the stats that has been most correlated to winning and losing football games is the actual turnover differential. Um, You know, if you lose the turnover battle, you have an uphill road. Think about it. Like this is, and this is fundamentally for me as a receivers coach where I tell the guys, Hey, ball security is job security. If you are lucky in a football game, the offense will possess the ball 12 times. If you're lucky, you'll get about 12 drives a game. You, 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 do, you do the math. Like if you have one turnover, that's one twelfth of your team's opportunity to possess the ball. And you've given the other team an extra twelfth of opportunities to possess the ball. Um, if you turn the ball over twice, that's I'm not a math guy. But what is that? A sixth is what? like. Yeah. 16%, 15%, somewhere in there. Like, again, that is a lot of game time that you are giving to the other team. So, yeah, turnovers are absolutely essential to winning football games. Yeah, absolutely, man. And Drew Locke, I mean, he led the, the league in interceptions last year through 15 interceptions in 12 games. Like, that – regardless of like, – these are these are facts. These are statistics. You cannot lie about that. 15 interceptions in 12 games, that's not good enough. Like, quite honestly, if you're going to turn the ball over at that kind of a clip, you're you're hampering your your defense and putting them in bad situations. And the Broncos can have a top-five defense all they want to, but if they're starting on the, the negative side of the 50-yard line 31 times in a season, you're not going to have any success. Now, before we get out of here, one, one question. We're going to take it from my fellow Alaskan here. Malcolm Brown, what draftee would you like to have for a guest? And for me, as much as I like a lot of these guys, it's got to be Quinn Miners. For oh, me. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm everything about, the, about this kid just it screams enthusiastic, just fun, like not quite carefree, but easygoing. Like it would easily, it would be him. Yeah, I, I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow. I mean, he's on Twitter. I, I follow him on Twitter. I'm going to shoot him a DM and say, hey, dude, what's up? Let's let, join the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Let's let's uh, let's get this off the rails a little bit and have some fun and 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 get to know one of the newest Denver Broncos. But I think, guys, uh, not a whole lot more running into the comment, uh, comment stream. Eric, you got something here? One more. I think Malachi's asking, why are you not on the Broncos coaching staff, Luke? And I'll, I'll answer <laughs> this one. Luke's not good enough. 
<laughs> there is a long running coaching expression that there are people who have forgotten more football than I have that I will ever know. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've had the, the great opportunity to meet NFL coaches. Um, and believe me, like I have, I have talked to some amazing football minds, guys who have, you know, done this professionally for decades, guys who have coached in the league for decades. Believe me when I say that, like, I consider myself a reasonably football intelligent person and I forget what a receiver is when I talk to them. Like they are, they're on a whole other plane. (laughs) And on that note is Luke actually brought me, um, mentioned it to me about uh, when I was looking at coaching locally, the defensive line coach for Ohio state name escapes me. Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson. There we go. And had me watch a couple of his little, his seminars and stuff like that. And 45 minutes was all it was, and it took me 10 hours to watch it because I had to keep going back because I kept missing stuff. There is a whole other level. I like to think I know a lot, but I compared to these guys in the NFL, I know nothing. Yeah, And, I, I mean, they, they are brilliant. They're, there's a reason why they are part of this elite group of people that gets to coach in the NFL. Like, So, so I mean, it, it's just a whole other level. My my final take on this before I wrap it up here, guys. I mean, Luke's got the the wide receivers and the running backs expert like taken care of. I mean, Eric is one of the best interior offensive line. Well, offense, it, well, really trench guys as far as evaluating players and stuff goes. Uh, my specialty is being a bad analyst. Like, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, I I like to poke fun. I mean, I I think I, I like to think that I do wide receivers, cornerbacks, just because I played the position that understand a little bit of how everything works, but also at the same time. You guys still blow me away every time that we get on. I mean, I learned from Eric, but every time, Luke, you get on as well, I learned so much for you. So thank you very much for your insight, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Guys, it's been on the screen all time or all, all day today. Follow us on Twitter. You find me at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Uh, for Luke, uh, at Luke Polglaze as well. Um, for the show, guys, while you're at it, at DVDD underscore pod. Easiest way to keep up with what's going on with the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um, also, guys, at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account. Uh, it's also the easiest way of getting in, in, instant news and analysis on your Denver Broncos um, and opinion articles from guys like myself, uh, like Eric, like uh, Nick Kendall, Carl Dumbler, Chad, Zach, the whole gang at Mile high huddle also it's the easiest way to keep up with what's going on with the huddle up podcast as well also guys follow uh john uh john cave at boana beast uh, at john k mhh um send him some love right now he kind of deserves it uh going through some rough stuff i don't want to get into anything personal for him but send him some love if you got the opportunity to do so uh facebook users guys facebook users uh, go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle click the blue become a supporter button it's a great way to support the show um $5 a month gets you exclusive premium content uh, like the Trickle Zone, which, Eric, what do you have on the Trickle Zone this week? Or have you even Honestly, got there yet? I haven't even put, put thought about what we're going to be doing. It's going to be what my night is and part of my morning figuring out what we're going to be doing. But, I mean, now that the draft's over, i got to shift my focus. I mean, it was up leading up to the draft. It was always just my top tens, my top fives. Um, not sure yet. Maybe – some something will happen tonight to, that I can give a takedown on. Maybe I can break into some Aaron Rodgers or Jawan James stuff. Not sure yet. Got to send a ch- text off the chat and figure that out and uh, figure out what the direction of the show is going to be for after the draft. So, well, how about, so, 
So tune back in for Eric's way too early top 100 for 2022. Is that what I'm <laughs> There hearing? we go. There we go. That's what we'll do. My way too early top 100. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you've already got a top 100 for next year, I've, I've never, there's never a chance of me keeping up with you. But anyways, guys, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Click the blue Become a Supporter button. You get the trickle zone. You get Kelberman's Corner on Sundays at noon. Um, I'm looking to start a, a, do a kickstart here as well as far as breaking down some tape for you guys called the 5280 View. Still got to get the works in, in the Kingston and stuff figured out for that as well but also guys another great way to support the show get one of these hats right here this dove valley deep divers hat there's also t-shirts facebook's uh face masks coffee cups everything like that anything to suit your fancy at huddleuppod.com that's the merch tent get something uh it's a great way to help support the show And if you guys are not financially able to do anything like that the three easiest things that everybody should be doing by now is subscribe where you guys are watching this particularly on youtube but also on twitch on facebook on on twitter anywhere you guys are getting this mile high huddle content subscribe to it like every video you guys see and if you love it share it share it out in front of as many broncos fans as you possibly can because that is the most easy and organic way you can support and help grow the show because without you guys we could not do what we do best which is break down your denver broncos now before we get out of here eric luke any last words well, I, I just want to say thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on. Um, thank you for for continuing to put up with me. A uh, little bit of little bit of ribbon here now and there, but um, no, nah, I mean it was it was a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, special shout out to Malachi. I appreciate it. Maybe maybe someday I'll be on the Broncos coaching <laughs> staff, but I'm a, I'm a long way away from that. But thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. It was great having you on. It always is, and. Uh, some point we got to get around to uh, playing some Apex so I can carry you some more. <laughs> I, I I really want to get you on sometime uh, if we get this 5280 view going around and start talking some schemes and stuff like that. So maybe we can work in a little bit more if you have some time over the summer and whatnot on breaking down route concepts, breaking down coverage schemes and stuff like that, how you would attack that as a wide receivers coach. I think that that would be some some pretty decent stuff. If, if you're willing to do that, I'd, I'd definitely extend the invite to you, man. Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. I'd love to. Absolutely. All right. So guys, uh, with that, that's the, the, the end of the Dove Valley Deep Diver show. You guys stay safe, have a great weekend and also take care. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. And as always, as we sign off, go Broncos. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 